Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti, along with Thomas Frank Carr. T. Frank, another week of Penn State football. The Nittany Lions are undefeated. They squeaked it out against Delaware with a sixty-three to seven win. Yeah, <laughs> I think essentially they were efficient and they took care of business. Yeah, and this is where this week, it, you know, I know that everyone's already turned the page to uh, to Illinois, and you know, th- this we record this earlier in the week than it comes out. But uh, this is where I am like James Franklin. Want to know the same process. Say, you know, we're, we're going to review Delaware. Like, I know everybody wants to move on and they want to know about Illinois. We will absolutely get to that. But it's going to be a little bit later because we have to review the film and we have to look at everything, break it down, see what happened and make our notes for the next game. So um, I know I, I probably a little bit of like, it's Delaware. Why are you doing this? But this is how you maintain excellence is you keep to a schedule and you make sure that you do everything the right way each time. One and oh, one and oh, one and oh, one and oh. Or at least that's my excuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, T. Frank, and I've mentioned this before. A lot of coaches, they say, I can't tell you until I see the film. Well, when people ask me my thoughts on the game, I say, I can't tell you until I talk to T. Frank. All right. T. Frank will tell me what I saw or what I missed. Let's start where we always do. Let's start with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And T. Frank, I read an interesting article that threw out his statistics for the game. And I think they were mostly pointing at the uh, yards th- thrown. What was it? Two, 206 yards, I believe. And said um, something to the effect of, not a Heisman winning kind of performance. My question, did they miss the 22 for 26 part of the <laughs> equation? Okay. Yes. And so it, I, it feels like he's taken what's being given to him. But if you're going to do that and complete, what is that? 80% of your passes. That's not too shabby a performance, T. Frank. What did yeah, you so see? we completed... He completed 84.6% of his passes. Um, That brings his completion percentage, his raw completion percentage, up to 78% for the year. He's completed 90% of his passes so far through two games. If you take out throwaways, spiking the clock, drops, and things like that. So um, (laughs) so I'm a Bills fan. I'll take 90% completion percentage and zero turnovers every single day. Uh, and that's really, you know, not to not to bring that in comparison in, but like that's underscoring what Drew Aller has been so far is he's been I don't want to say pathologically careful with the football because there are um, that, that I think that is a negative, but he has been ultra careful with the football and taking what the defense gives him. But when you're facing the Delaware defense and they are dropping eight into coverage and sometimes you have two routes there isn't a lot for you to take. Like there is not, unless you force the ball into a situation and you go, I'm going to trust my receiver in a bad look. He is a quarterback that has said multiple times after games, you've got to take what the defense is giving you. Don't force the football. Be careful with the football. They can't cover everything. So find the open receiver. And he does a good job of that. I think if, if you want to talk about areas where he could have improved last week, 
his pocket awareness and his pocket mobility was a little bit worse than it was previously. Not bad, but there were a couple of times he could have stepped up in the pocket. He could have forced the defense to break down a little bit by holding the ball and keeping himself in the play alive. But instead, he tried to check the ball down to the running back a couple of times, and that resulted in an incompletion. So things to clean up, but... It, if you're obsessed with the raw stats and I, I, you know, I'm, I love stats too. I'd love to see my quarterback throw for 325 yards and four touchdowns instead of four turnovers in the second half. Um, but sometimes you just need to win the football game and for Penn state and uh, drew Aller, they did what they needed to do to win the game, which relied on the running game uh, primarily because of the way that uh Delaware was playing was goading them essentially into running the football. And then he was super efficient when he, it was his opportunity. And he, because of that, because they're running the ball a lot and he was still patient when he had the ball, he wasn't trying to be a hero. He was trying to be a quarterback. And if you know, I'll take 84% completion percentage for my quarterback who doesn't throw a turnover and uh, still gets a touchdown in the game. I, I thought it was a good performance from Drew Aller overall. You know, T. Frank, I want you to know that I was trying to be sensitive to your feelings and not bring up Monday night's Bills game, okay? Oh, this that is the perfect time to talk to me about it because I am I am just angry but also clear-minded. So I'll give you a, a scalpel review of Josh Allen who is turning into an ultimate choker which is just super fun. But we're to remember Bills fans when whenever you hear the comparison to Josh Allen for Drew Aller and that's how I'm going to relate these two things here so we can talk about it on a Penn State show. Careful what you wish for. Because if you want him to be Josh Allen, you get what you saw on Monday night if you watch that game. You know, T Frank, I always appreciate your cold surgical like analysis of Penn State football. But I also love this side of T Frank where you get emotional when talking about the Buffalo Bills. I enjoy that. Let's let's get back to Drew Allard, though. And I, I just just careful because I can't stop once I start. Like I don't have an off button, so I'm trying to keep it contained. Okay, okay. We'll we'll, we'll stick with Penn State and Drew Aller. Yeah. And coming into the season, T Frank, we all wanted to see that big arm. We wanted to see him go down the field with the ball. However, I gotta say. I'm. This was the part of his game that was the variable that we weren't mm -hmm. sure of going in, which was that decision making, that ability to scan the field and find the open receiver, throw it to the right place. So I feel like I'm more impressed that he's doing what he's doing rather than taking the top off the defense, which we all assume is still there for him. Yeah, it's it's interesting coming out of this game. <laughs> I'm I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth here. He was absolutely correct in the decisions he made. He made some very good decisions. No quarterback is perfect, by the way. So when I say he missed a, a throw where maybe he could have had an explosive play to Trey Wallace, where they had a deep in and he didn't step through the pocket and find it. They had a touchdown a couple times where they finally got somebody behind the defense, but it was either on the backside of his progression or... There was pressure, and you're not going to see everything. So were there a couple things on the table that he left there? Sure, but there's a, there's with every quarterback, you're going to have that. What he didn't do was he didn't say, this is an FCS defense, and I'm going to play hero and trying to throw over a linebacker in front of a safety to Liam Clifford on a, uh, you know, on a skinny post in the red zone where he could have maybe 
because he's Drew Aller fit that ball into the window. I think that's the thing I like the most about Drew Aller is that he doesn't have athletic hubris where he's not going to go, you know what? I've got a strong arm, so I'm going to make that play where other guys can't. He talks about calculated risk and risk management, uh, you know, when he when he's talking about throwing the football. I could have stood for just a little bit more, like 3% more aggressive from him. But when you're playing drop eight and the windows are condensed and you've got um, minimal opportunities and you want to take care of the football, you know that you've got a good team around you. He's doing the right thing. There will be times later in the year, and this is kind of like we're learning about Drew Aller. He did not throw interceptions during camp. <laughs> that was one thing James Franklin talked about was, you know, it was practice 13 before he threw a turnover worthy throw or even an interception. So then it becomes what's his personality on the field? How how aggressive will he get in crunch time when they have to have it? He hasn't had to have it yet. Penn State has been in the lead in both games. So this is just an open conversation now about Drew Aller, and we know that he's safe, he's responsible with the football, but in those clutch moments when he's got to push the ball down the field, he's got to score. I think we saw him do a very good job in, in the two-minute drill um, when Delaware, by nature, had to get more aggressive. They couldn't play the same coverages because of the situation. He was able to effectively diagnose an attack where they were giving him the football. Um, so it, to me, we've seen him do it in the middle of the football field. Uh, I would say somewhat aggressively down the middle, 15, 20 yards. We've also seen him throw to a guy who's covered uh, while running through the pocket. So we've seen different variations of this. I don't think he's going to be too conservative, but we are still learning about Drew Aller. And the one thing we know so far is that he's very careful with the football and he's very accurate. And those are two great things to have with a guy who has a massive arm. So, you know, you're you're building a profile of a quarterback that has the opportunity to keep you in and potentially win you games with his ability. T. Frank, let's move to his targets. It was a talking point after the West Virginia game that we didn't see many throws, many targets for the tight ends. It looked to me like they were trying early on to make sure they got the tight ends involved in the game. Yeah. Was that the case or was it just, you know what? In this game, the tight ends were available. Which way was that? So I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Um, so again, when we're talking about this particular defense, let me explain drop eight. So you normally, every coverage essentially is built off the back seven, where you have seven coverage defenders and four pass rushers. Delaware runs with an extra coverage defender. So every single coverage, they've got a bonus or a whole player they can do whatever they want with. So in one situation, they're playing essentially prevent defense where they've got three safeties deep and they are basically building a picket fence over top. That allows you to have five underneath coverage defenders. So when you're trying to layer the ball over top of those guys, the windows are by nature smaller. You also have the opportunity to do different things with guys in coverage in terms of attacking what you see, like a free man to run at the screen instead of having him have to cover the flat and the screen. So there's different things you can do that takes away smartly what Penn State wants to do. So early on, they try to get the tight ends involved. Um, and a lot of that was pick your favorite receiver in that coverage bracket, like who's open here. So that was the tight ends in underneath coverage, taking the safe, safe throws to Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, 
But when you also when you are playing that deep and that far off the ball, screens are a part of this as well. So that's why they started early with the game plan of we're going to throw screens to force you to come up and play uh, the line of scrimmage more. So it's it's a little bit of we want to get the tight ends involved. We're going to choose to throw them a screen. That's going to be the play. Like there's no other. There, Theo Johnson is the target there. Um, and then it's also who's open based on the coverage and the tight ends because of this were open more, I think, than the receivers. Now, again, there was a, there's one throw to Theo Johnson where you're trying to open up one of those windows by running Tyler Warren underneath him and then kind of a comeback route behind that. Drew Aller looked at it. He didn't want to throw over the linebacker who was watching his eyes. So he ends up coming all the way back to the other side, finding Keandre Lambert Smith all the way through his full field read and getting to a, a you know a responsible check down that gets Penn State 10 yards on the play. So a little bit of everything from Drew Aller in terms of how he performed. Okay, very good, T. Frank. That's going to be it for quarter number one. But we're not done talking Penn State, Delaware. Stick around. Quarter number two, we've got lots more. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He is T. Frank. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State, Delaware. T. Frank, we finished up quarter number one with me asking you the question, going to the tight ends, was it a case of they were targeting them or were they just happened to be the the receivers that were open? One of these days, my friend, I'm going to learn my lesson and not ask you an either or question and (laughs) understand that it will always, always be a shade of gray answer. A little from column A, a little from column B. But that that is football. (laughs) There are so many variables. And you ask like, Overall, yeah, I felt like they were trying to get the ball to the tight ends, but at a certain point, you don't have control over that. It, it, you got to go, th- you got to run a play, you got to go through the reads, and then you got to throw the football to who's open. And the defense, even if it's Delaware, has a say in that. So it's like, yeah, 
they were trying to get the ball to the tight ends. Here are the other things that happened along the way. And that's where I hope like we're talking about Delaware. I'm assuming we're going to talk about the run game now. Like hopefully this is why it's entertaining to talk about Delaware because you go, especially for the run game. I came out of this game going, meh. Like it was just, ugh. and you know, it took me a little bit to go back and watch the film and find out why did I feel so nothing about that performance. And it's by design from Delaware. We will get to the running backs shortly. We really will. But I also get the sense, T. Frank, that you're also always aware that if you say one way or the other, somebody somewhere will say, well, yeah, they were targeting the tight ends, but I saw a play where he was looking at another receiver first and then went to the tight end, T. Frank. So there, you're wrong. You know. So we, yeah. we do get a yeah. lot of that. My last question, though, on the receivers is the distribution chart for the receivers. Again, we last week, the tight ends had, I think, two or three targets, one reception. This week, Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, eight targets, eight completions. But it's now spread out. Is this, again, yeah. another Drew Aller trait? It falls into that taking what you're given. So it's not going to be, hey, Keandre Lambert-Smith, He's my number one receiver, so I'm going to be looking for him. No, I'm looking for the open guy, and that could be one of three or four guys on a specific play, and overall in the game, it could be one of eight or nine different receivers. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, So not to do the same thing again, but you don't have a dominant number one. I I think Keandre Lambert-Smith has been great so far this season, and he is your number one guy, but you're you're designing plays to get Jahan Dotson the ball. You're designing elements of your game, and by the way, in in certain situations, to overcome deficiencies in other areas. Penn State doesn't have as many deficiencies this year. Their quarterback can see the full field and can get the ball to everybody because he stays calm and poised under pressure, so you don't have to force-feed somebody. You can use the full field, and you can then design from week to week different elements to get the ball featuring different players. So it's, it is, it is a nature by nature, what drew Aller can do, which is to distribute the football. And I was trying to pull up for the last game. You mentioned, it's a good point. I haven't really looked at this. Keandre Lambert Smith leads with six receptions. Some of those were designed. Some of those were finding him when he's open. Some of those were, you know, um, two minute drill situations. So he, he, this week he's your target absorbing receiver from that Z position, but Dante Cephas, 36 yards on a broken play, uh, 26 uh, for for the the big play there, and he's you know he, he's a he's a backup at this point. You, you, so you've got what I what James Franklin was saying is we've got a lot of guys that can play. We're looking for consistency, and sometimes that is mistranslated to we've got a lot of guys. We don't know who's good. They've got a lot of guys that are good. I, I don't think did Malik McLean. Malik McLean had three targets in this game, uh, one reception for seven yards. Most of them were he wasn't really going to be able to catch. There was one play where it was a throw away from Drew Aller. So last week he was a big part of the game. Liam Clifford, uh, had, what was this? Two, two catches for one yard. Cause one of them was a screen. So you, you've got, you've got the distribution of targets because you can, and because uh, you have the players that deserve it. You're not trying to get the ball to one guy because you don't trust the full field of receivers a quick little stat that i really liked you mentioned targets for lambert smith but if you go lambert smith tyler warren trey wallace dante cephas theo johnson liam clifford 
the only players that had more than one reception, they were a combined 21 for 21 on their targets. Yep. To me, that's just an incre- incredible stat. All right. You alluded to it, the running backs. Let's talk about them, T. Frank. Again, we saw no home runs from the running backs. Yeah. Any cause for concern? Uh, there's never no cause for concern. You know, sometimes, sometimes th- there's there's always elements of until we find out more information. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring up some things. That doesn't mean I'm like hitting the panic button. Let's take a step back from the running backs and talk about the running game. And that's where I think it's more interesting is if you remember in 2021, Villanova came into Happy Valley, came to Beaver Stadium and shut down Penn State's rushing attack with the same plan that Villanova had. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Delaware had this past weekend. They run what's called a tight front. And that is, long story short, to destroy the modern running game from most offenses in college where you use inside zone and read option to create a running game. Most teams use inside zone as the basis of their offense. This offense or this this defense is designed to take all of that away and to frustrate your zone blocking assignments, to change the landmarks so that guys have a harder time getting to specific key blocks. So Penn State decided, okay, and this is what they tried to do in 2021. If you're going to play a tight front, which is everyone's kind of smooshed inside, then we're going to run outside the defensive ends. The, you know, the, the guys lined up on the tackles. There's outside linebackers that are off the ball and far away to like run into their run fits from distance to try and keep a, uh, to keep a, a lid on read options and RPOs into the flat. So trying to take everything away that most offenses do. So it required Penn State to take their large people and be large people against Delaware. And that's what they did. So essentially, they got into two tight end formations with a condensed wide receiver to say, you're either going to stay inside of the tackles and give us the edge, or you're going to spread out your tight front to adjust for our bigger formation. And then we're going to run the ball inside and do our normal thing because you've adjusted your alignments. Delaware declined to do that. They stayed in their base defense and Penn State ran behind the tight ends and the tight ends smushed people. And that's really the story of how this game came to be because it wasn't necessarily, you know, they did a couple of different things with the running game. They used power and they used outside zone. They used some man blocking, which are not the core of their offense. So they had to shift to an outside source to run. And I think that the encouraging thing for Penn State fans should be they had to adapt and they thrived in this situation. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren took over the game and were very good run blockers in those situations. Uh, I thought Trey Wallace did a good job, but it led to seven yards of carry because your receivers are now involved in the blocking and you're getting these kind of free runners at the, at the running backs. And also Delaware plays another, just like West Virginia. They play the run from depth. So you're going to have guys running at the running back from depth. Instead of you break through the line of scrimmage, you're in the second level and there's one safety to beat. There's more bodies in the secondary to run and tackle. And that's where if I am saying, am I concerned? Is there any worry? I would like to see Nick Singleton break a couple more of those tackles. You've got one-on-one with a player or you've got a guy diving at your leg, run through that tackle and create the explosive. You've got the leg drive. You've got the strength. It just every once in a while, it seems like he's, he's, his stride is very specific because he's such a great runner. Um, you know, he's got like a track stride and I don't know, I don't know the differences, you know, I don't know the specifics in, in all of that stuff, but I know that like, he seems to get tripped up more than other running backs who have, uh, you know, a, a thicker, lower center of gravity 
and are able to bounce off those tackles. I'd like to see a little bit more of that from him. You know, T. Frank, I love when you get into that football lingo like smush with yes. the blocks. <laughs> but I also do think it's it's relevant, T. Frank, that the negative plays were so limited. I believe beginning of last year with Nick Singleton, and if you remember back just two seasons ago, there were so many negative plays. And you brought up the Villanova yep. game. I think that there was one where that happened. I recall one play where Nick Singleton, it was after Bo Prabula came in the game, was tackled for a loss of five yards. Looking at the stat sheet, that was the only tackle for loss against Catron Allen or and or Nick Singleton. So yep. I think they were always getting positive yardage, and that is part of the equation. Let's talk about the offensive line a bit. We yep. know Landon Tangwall out. He's done. So that meant J.B. Nelson was coming in. Apparently, he flew bug something during the week, wasn't practicing. Yep. So they chose to put Vega Ioane in there, give him a lot of reps, which is something I think a lot of us wanted to see. Okay, that happened. Tell me about the line play. How well did they play? How well did Ioane play? Uh, he played well. You know, th- there's some... There are some blocks he's missing, and there's some opportunities uh, to create those explosive plays by giving the running back a cleaner running lane to the second level. And this is where you say, James Franklin said, we were very efficient in this game. So they got to their blocks. The offensive line, the tight ends, got to their blocks. Now, the tight ends had some domination against the smaller defenders for Delaware. But for the most part, because of the way that this offense or this defense and the way they were set up, They were intentionally just roadblocking the interior with bodies. So if you're Penn State, like they got to all of their blocks, but there were fewer, wow, that's a dominant block from the offensive line. But they were effective in getting to those guys. So Nick Singleton, he pushes the pile for seven yards because he's putting his shoulder pads into two blue jerseys. He's not running through somebody trying to tackle him. He's able to get that forward momentum and get seven yards. You again, you like you would love to see the situation where he kind of comes out of that. He bursts out of that free, but that wasn't that wasn't in the cards for them on on Saturday because Delaware, and I know you don't want to hear this, but Delaware, their defensive line for what they are, they're very good. 93 caused Olu Fashanu a lot of problems where Olu was not getting to his blocks and sustaining them throughout the play because 93 was doing a great job of playing the run and playing his responsibility very well. So you would like to, if you want to see like dominant run game, you want to see these guys smush and like they got a lot of vertical push, but they just couldn't get enough of those big running lanes for Nick Sing to make it easy for Nick Singleton to get to the second level. And when they did, he got tripped up and there was always a safety there to kind of bottle everything up and, and uh, clean up the mess of the front seven for Delaware. You know, T. Frank, we all want to see those home runs, but I think when a game against Delaware, I think I'd prefer to see that efficiency of positive on every play, getting the first downs. It resulted in 34 first downs, yep. not too shabby. All right, that's it for quarter number two. Stay tuned, quarter three. We've got your questions, and we're going to ask T. Frank. Stay tuned for that. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den. 
which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. It's time for Ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions for T. Frank. He gives us the perfect answer. Each and every time at the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out the best question. For those of you who are not watching the video version, T. Frank was giving us a thumbs up for his perfect answers. We know that's Extended thumbs up. (laughs) And at the end of the segment, he'll pick out the best question. Whoever sent us that, he'll get the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. You know what they have there, the great barbecue sauces, the great barbecue rubs, including the new coffee barbecue rubs, which are fantastic. Trust me on that one. T. Frank, you ready for your questions? Yes, sir. All right. I forgot to mention, if you want to send a question, download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button, and there you go. Just like Zach from Dallas, Texas, he says, hey, T. Frank, any concern that the running backs have no explosive runs through two games? And is this a running back, offensive line, or just an issue of how the defenses have been playing them? Yeah, that's kind of what we talked about in the last segment of um, the last two defenses have played a style that is contained. You're going to get eight yards, you're going to get nine yards, but you're not going to get the backbreaker. And then they're hoping eventually that you're going to make a mistake, get behind the chains. It's the bend but don't break idea. And uh, Delaware takes that to an extreme where we're going to take away specific things in the run game and not try and take away everything and then play with all these coverage defenders floating around in the out there in the universe. And as good as Katron Allen and Nick Singleton are, um, they aren't uh, able to, you know, they're not, they're not, unstoppable like they, they're not six foot eight 300 pounds running a four five and and able to just run through people like their children like other this is a terrible answer i'm already off of giving you the perfect <laughs> answer the the other tackling is about like getting to the guy's legs 
and anyone can get to your legs. Any player, if they have the right angle and they're in the right position, can get to your legs and, and make that tackle. So, um, no. Once they start playing teams that play more aggressive, eight in the box, and there are better angles for Penn State, and teams are being more aggressive in that particular situation, I think you'll see a couple more of those um, explosive runs. They've been playing a lot of very conservative teams so far. But like I said, I, I would like to see, irrespective of that, Nick Singleton still just go beast mode and run through a dude and get a touchdown. He's very good. He's very consistent. And that's, I think, the nature of this offense between uh, Singleton and Aller is that they are incredibly dependable, reliable, responsible football players. They're going to do what their coach says. They're going to do the right thing. Um, and then there's, you know, how much wild card is then is in them. I, I I think maybe Singleton can stand to use a little bit more Saquon Barkley in him where, okay, so that's plugged up. I'll get seven there. What if I cut to the backside? Like all of these guys are coming inside. What if I cut to the backside and I just, you know, go Nick Singleton on these players? There's a, every once in a while, I think he could use some of that. On the flip side, I think Catron Allen needs to, I think he's pressing a little bit right now. The pressure of wanting to be great and this two back system, there are times I feel like he's trying to bounce everything to the outside. And that happens to guys that, um, even aren't in a share. They just want to make big plays. And I get the sense that he wants to make a lot of big plays uh, and he's got the ability to do it and to make people miss. But every once in a while, not all the time, just needs to do the thing he does, which is make one guy miss at the line of scrimmage, get seven to eight yards, and then you know get into the middle of the defense and fall forward. So just minor corrections from these guys, but everything I think you're going to be pleased with how they continually get you positive yardage this year. You know, T. Frank, I think when there's criticism of specific plays, it was like earlier on you talked about Drew Aller missing a pass at some point. Well, this you have to strain to find that play when a guy completes 22 yeah. of 26 passes. And talking about Catron Allen, this is still a guy on 19 carries, rushed for 103 yards, and it wasn't all about yep. one play because his long run was 17 yards. He averaged over five yards a carry. So we are nitpicking, especially when you come out of oh, the game. Oh, for sure. A 63-7 winner. Okay, yep. let's go to Bob in Mountaintop who said Clemson has lost, Alabama has lost, teams like Texas, Florida State, Penn State are looking good. Are we seeing a bit of a changing of the guard? I feel that Clemson is past its elite days. Is Alabama also? Uh, so I actually watched a little bit of that Texas-Alabama game, and, and they're back to a situation where Jalen Hurts turned into a great quarterback, like a very, very good one. I don't know if elite or great. We'll find out this year. Um, but he was not that at Alabama. He was a runner that could throw the football. And from what I saw of uh, Milrow, is that the guy's name or whatever? Like it starts that. with an M, I know. Yeah, he uh, he's a runner. That's a, ru that's a runner playing quarterback. So in those situations, if you take away the rhythm throws where guys like that are they are programmed and he seems to actually seems a little robotic as a quarterback in terms of his movement skills and his I'm going through the process instead of like, I understand the process and I'm going to deliver based on it. Um, you can negate those guys because you have, um, you know, you've taken away the easy access throws and the, and the things that you're getting by scheme and design. So then he has to read the progression 
Also, they, I think they were playing a freshman left tackle and even an Alabama freshman left tackle going up against uh, talented players. Likewise, they're not always going to be elite. So yes, when we say every team has problems, every team is working through consistency issues, even Alabama and Clemson, you know, James Franklin has embraced and adapted to the modern football environment, which is the transfer portal and NIL. Clemson has been outwardly rejecting the transfer portal and the NIL. And so and some of Dabo Sweeney's comments on these things are kind of like shocking, eye rolling, like, I can't believe you're taking that stance. And you see the result of it. You know, I, I don't I don't I'm not an expert on Clemson, but I've watched enough of their games throughout the years and Dabo Sweeney to know they rely on talent and simple design to get their offense. And if the talent isn't there, the the offense isn't elevating anybody. And I don't know what they are now because they've changed offensive coordinators. But just from my prior experience, like if you aren't able to stockpile and hold that talent because it either transfers or you're not uh, so, you're not supporting everything with NIL the way everybody else is, you get what you get. And yeah, yeah, there is a little bit of this tectonic shift. And who's gonna who's gonna come out on the other side? Which is why James Franklin says, "Be bold and aggressive." in all of these things so you don't get left behind. You don't become Clemson. I respect James Franklin for that ability to adjust and adapt with the times, and Dabo is an example of not doing that. Also, as part of this, uh, uh, T. Frank, I thought that Texas-Alabama game showed the importance of the quarterback position. Texas had the better quarterback. He was able to make those big plays the a- Alabama quarterback, and full disclosure, <laughs> I was betting Alabama. So it, it hurt, but I was rooting for Alabama. And there were some of the plays where you saw there were opportunities there for him, and he just missed. When Texas yeah. had an opportunity, their quarterback hit him. He, he looks like a real authentic big-time quarterback. And, you know, going back to Clemson, as good as all of Clemson's roster was as they were going to the playoffs every year, it sure helps when you have an NFL quarterback there. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. Yep. And remember a couple years ago, Alabama had three N- starting NFL quarterbacks on their roster at the same time. Yep. I, I'm not sure. Jalen Milrow. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> yes. Jalen Milrow is his name. Oh. I wanted to make sure I didn't sound like a total fool there. All right. I start, his name starts with an M was good enough for me, T Frank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh let's move on. Let's get to Al in Montgomeryville who says, Who among the young players have impressed you so far, T Frank? Yeah, so this is actually a great conversation we had on the Monday show on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel about basically instead of trying to break down everything from the Delaware game, which I'm I'm glad we did today give you the the idea of the full scope of that game but another fun side thing to do is to talk about the young guys in a situation like that and the defensive players are super fun to watch uh king mac everything we thought he would be i i remember on this show when i said i think he can play maybe four positions on the penn state defense based on his skills he's playing boundary safety which is the is the dakari nelson position that's six foot four 205 pounds that's um you know uh jaquan brisker and and, and this kid's 5'9", 188, 5'10", 188. And he's hitting like those guys. So just to sh- he can play free safety. He can play slot corner. He On third down, he was playing in the slot, and then he's playing the boundary safety. I love that. I just, he's fun. 
And then you watch Elliot Washington run and you go, okay, this is a different breed of athlete. Like as much as Kalen King is an excellent corner and should be like a top corner in the, in the draft, there's athletes. And then there's these like bouncy, explosive, make your eyes pop athletes. And King Mac looked like that. And Elliot Washington is fast, fast. The, the pass interference penalty, he was not pass interfering. He was just so quick downhill that he ran through the receiver to get to the football, which is kind of one of my beefs of like the defender also has a right to go get the football, get out of his way and let him go get an interception. <laughs> because by the time the, the defender was making or the, the receiver was making his break, Washington had taken two steps. That's bananas. Uh, and then Tony Rojas, just excellent. I loved watching him play uh, linebacker. Not perfect, not not everything, but he also was aggressive. He filled downhill. He did some really good things from a technique standpoint of how you want to defeat blocks, not just he's faster than the other guy. So those three defenders were awesome. Jamil Lyons was really good. And then the other guy on the offensive side of the ball I want to shout out was Andrew Rappelier because he came out for blood. It's the final drive of the game, and he's blocking like it's the first quarter. If it weren't for the fact that they have so many tight ends already, he'd be, I, I think he'd be a factor on this team because he's just, he's fun to watch block. Uh, and, and he's athletic. He's the right size. He's a freshman that has, you know, maybe not Big Ten uh, just yet, but pretty close to Big Ten size and strength. Um, and, and in that situation against that team, and that, that's exactly what you want. And then I thought Javen Williams was good. I thought he looked good at tackle. Anthony Donko looked like he was thinking but looked good while he was like, he had it right. He just had to make sure the process wasn't getting in the way of him making the play. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other guys that stood out to me. Those are, those are the main ones uh, on offense and defense. And, and I thought they all showed out really well and makes you feel really good about it, especially the Penn State secondary. They're, they're reloaded on that side in the years to come. It is amazing how quickly the defense at Penn State has been good for years, but in just a year or two, it's changed from, okay, it's pretty good, to it's freaky good, and the pipeline is full. So we expect to see yep. this now for several years. It's really exciting if you're a Penn State fan. T. Frank, that is it for quarter number three. Stick around. Quarter four, we'll name our winner. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. It's quarter number four. That means we got to name a winner from our quarter three Ask T. Frank segment. Who is it, T. Frank? Some pretty good questions, by the way. Yeah, it was Bob. Bob and Mountaintop had a, a great question, and um, I, I, I enjoyed his, uh, I guess, the way he phrased it as well. Is there a change in the guard? Yes, there is a little bit, because change is the, is the optimum word here. The one thing I want to add here uh, to the end of that conversation, and this is something I got to check myself in, and I think we all have to remember, is Texas is playing Alabama now. Alabama is playing Texas. We are in the last year of the four-team playoff where don't lose twice or be Alabama have been the rules for the last 10 years. Be Alabama is probably done. Like They're not going to get the benefit of the doubt this year. But next year, everything changes. <laughs> you know, the Big Ten and the SEC are going to these mega conferences. So winning every single game is not going to be a part of the, the formula going forward. You are going to lose games. You are going to be able to have that brief breath of, okay, we can get better. We can improve as the season goes on. So maybe Alabama isn't done this year. Maybe uh, Clemson isn't done this year. Uh, but they, they will have a better opportunity next year when it goes to 12. So this is really, and after, by the way, once that's done, and I think it's just two years of 12 uh, in the playoff, then we don't know what the future looks like. So everything's going to change a lot. So the pressure of being perfect, that's actually going to go away. And you have to, uh, then we'll find out what the new parameters are for making the playoff. I'm, my theory on it, T. Frank, is right now, as it is, you could only lose one game. So Alabama Mm -hmm. has lost their quota. They can't lose again if they want to make the playoffs, including most likely having to beat Georgia in the Southeast Conference Championship game because two losses will eliminate them. I think when they go to 12 teams, it's essentially going to be you can't lose more than two games to make the playoffs. Which, by the well, way, don't forget there there will not be five conferences, so it's not going to be the same thing of like well, we've got to give every conference champion. The Pac-12 isn't going to exist, so that's also going out the window. So you're going to just condense and maybe a, a team that gets three losses but has quality wins. I don't know. Like I don't know. I just there's, there's going to be so much change. But I think you're right. It's not going to be like it is in the NFL where you can be a 500 team, but it is going to be a little more breathing room for sure. What I'm going to find fascinating, and I know I'm going off tangent here, is going to be you have a three-loss, say, LSU in the Southeast Conference. Mm -hmm. Do they get in ahead of, say, a two-loss Kansas State or a two-loss you know, Florida State from the ACC or from the Big 12? It's going to – that's going to make it uh, interesting and going to create some interesting arguments. All right, T. Frank, let's get back to Penn State, Delaware. Let's talk defense, which we haven't do- done at all. And how about we talk gap integrity, okay? Yeah. In this yeah. whole game, there was the one play where Delaware running back went 66 yards through a gaping yep. hole. 
Tell me about that play. I, first of all, I don't think that it was a commentary on the defensive tackles, which some people are trying to make yeah. it into. Tell me about gap yeah. integrity. Tell me about that specific play and what happened. Yeah, so this gets into the uncomfortable area of, you know, singling out players that everyone is already singling out. And nope, we don't need to pile on Tyler Elsden. But that is, if you want to ask me what happened on that play, the short answer is Tyler Elsden was supposed to be in the A-gap and he was not in the A-gap. And this is kind of his situation is he's a good football player when he's right and he's perfect and he's not perfect he's not a perfect human being he's going to make some mistakes and when he's out of position when he pulls himself out of position he doesn't have the length and athleticism to make up for it was everyone right around him no the a gap was about five yards wide that's not how that's supposed to be either sometimes that happens and that's where you need your athletes to make you whole and he just got caught in a situation where he was not put in a position to succeed but you're also are you designing your defense around a weakness or a strength? So you, you just have to deal with some of those things, but to go zoom out a little bit and talk about the play, because it, that's more interesting to me than just hammering home the, the, the problem, the end result is it was a good play design with a bunch of NFL level um, concepts in it. So if you go back and watch the play, there's a jet motion. The jet motion takes a coverage player out of the run, run assignment. In Penn State's alignment, that meant K.J. Winston is now covering the jet motion player in man coverage, or at least he's in, that's his guy. That pulls Cam Miller to the free safety position. They roll coverage. At the same time, the tight end is motioning back across the formation, so you have this cutting motion. It, it tears the defense in, in certain ways because it forces you to exchange gaps and exchange responsibilities on multiple levels. This is something that the 49ers do. The Rams do this a lot. All of this Shanahan, McVay, zone action stuff. And then what they do in those situations, they pair that with an extreme outside zone to pull you one way again. This was just a basic inside zone. But what it did is, when the tight end moves across the formation in that run assignment, your linebackers are supposed to adjust because you're creating new gaps on the other side. The issue is Manny Diaz's defense has so many layers and facets to it. So at the same time, Penn State was stunting their defensive line and they had an entirely different defensive line action on the backside. So they got two things going on on the defensive line. They got one going on on the second level and then you got KJ Winston adjusting on the third. All of that is happening during the snap. Now again, cut through all of it. Tyler Elson's supposed to know what's going on. He's supposed to see all of that, anticipate it and be in the A-gap. Because that's what they set up. The, the, the very basic of this is when you're, when you're going up against inside zone, which is what that play was, you, a lot of where the running back goes is determined by where the block between the center and the closest defensive tackle on the front side ends up. If he's able to reach that guy and get the front side block open, he goes that way. If he gets him backside, then you cut off wherever the center is. Well, Penn State decided you're going to go to the you're going to go to the left, your offensive left on that play because they moved Devon Ellis. He he slanted over the 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 center and I this is getting super technical and I apologize for most people who can't visualize this. But basically what it is is that was set up for Tyler Elson to make that tackle. Because they said we're telling you you're going to run it into the A gap and he was not in the A gap. So all of that window dressing, he's supposed to see through that 
and he reacts to the motion, pulls him out of the gap, and then Cam Miller is not in position because he's not a natural free safety to then run that play down. He takes a bad angle, he takes some bad steps, and then that's how you get 66 yards and a touchdown. It's multiple levels of defensive breakdown because unlike Delaware, Penn State was playing with a single high safety. That's what we're talking about. Explosive runs will come for Penn State later when they're playing teams that don't do stuff like that. So that's kind of the the full picture and then the small details of how that run happened and how those things can lead to kind of like when you have a, a, a nuclear br- uh, explosion at a plant, it's not just one safety failure. All the backup systems failed for Penn state to have that ha- thing happen. I appreciate you comparing a single play in a college football game. That was 63 seven to nuclear disaster T Frank. And <laughs> I've been watching a lot of videos on clean energy and a lot of stuff about that. And I'm just, I'm interested in that. So it just popped into my head. <laughs> What I find interesting about it is, if you remember, everything goes back to Michigan and Ohio State. And a year ago, James Franklin, I'm sure he regrets it to this day, talked about being bigger, stronger, which gave everybody the impression Mm -hmm. Penn State got beat up on the line of scrimmage by Michigan. When upon further review, looking at the tape, there were things people weren't where they were supposed to be. And I think it was either James Franklin or Manny Diaz talked about players. They were trying to do too much instead of saying, yeah, let my teammate next to me take care of his job. Let me take care of my job. Uh, Tyler Elston bit on the fake to the inside. He took a step that way instead of maintaining his discipline and staying where he belongs. Now to me, I much rather see that mistake made in a game where you win 63 to 7 instead of 63 yeah. nothing on that one play. Yeah. And I got to feel like Michigan week at the very least if not every other week, you know, I put this play on loop in the training room in the locker room. Look, this is the price that you will pay for not staying disciplined and not staying in your gap. So don't yeah. make that mistake again. Let's move on, though, T. Frank. Going into this season, the question mark on defense was defensive tackles. We got through two games. I know it was West Virginia and a very much outmanned Delaware team. Have we learned anything at all about the defensive tackles through two games? Yeah, yeah. Um, A couple things, I think, off the top on an individual level. I'm impressed with the work Devon Ellis has done to make himself a more athletic football player. Um, I was concerned a lot of times watching him, <laughs> how he performed previously and then projecting him to be one of these players. Now that cause Izzard was banged up to start the year that has to be, you have to rely on him as a top line starter, regardless of how things shook out. He was going to be a guy that was going to be a major part of the rotation this year. He is more active. He's more athletic than he was. He was kind of tight and, and didn't really have movement skills. And in this defense, it's not about being big. It's about being big enough to play through contact and hold your gap, which you're going to be running to. You are not going to be in the gap that you start in for the most part. So do you have the strength to cross a guy's face and then plant your foot and get up field? And he's more athletic. And this is where we talk a lot about gap integrity with this defense. It's not guys freelancing. It's not them trying to be a hero. There's a little bit of that with some of the players. 
but not a lot. Not a lot. You have guys that are making physical mistakes of, okay, that gap, I just couldn't get there because of what the offense did. Like they ran an action that made it so it was impossible for me to get there, or at least at the very least, very hard. And that's the price you pay in this defense where you are trying to do some difficult things. You don't nor- normally you have a slant from the defensive line where everyone takes one step in one direction to change their gap together. Manny Diaz has a slant with a stunt, with a twist, with a linebacker filling a different gap. Like there's just so much going on. There are more opportunities for errors and they've got to be on, they've got to be on their game. And that's the area where um, they have made some physical mistakes of not being able to get to their gap which I don't know how you want to read that. You can either say that's a huge problem or, you know, they'll be, they'll be able to figure that out as they do this more and more and they get, they get better at it. Uh, but there aren't a lot of guys, at least from what I can read, and this is a hard defense to read, there aren't a lot of guys just playing out of just going crazy. So that's a good thing is it seems like they are playing together. They just need to tighten up the details. Okay, T. Frank, very good, but that is it for our show. As always, it went way too fast. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.